crypto is by far the most volatile and it has the potentially greatest upside. Um, but also, I mean, who knows what the future is going to hold? And we've seen how it's been, you know, very extreme as it relates to ups and downs. But I will say this, and you can put this on record. I, I definitely believe when you look at things like NFTs and um, when you look at the technology and you look at what banks are doing, you even look at what the Federal Reserve is doing, like there's no doubt that they're, uh, they're number one, potentially threatened by it. But number two, they're trying to figure out how they can use this technology in oh. the banking system and take advantage of it. And so one of the things that I'm committed to is is not being ignorant. And uh, we saw even in the Super Bowl, I think there was four crypto uh, commercials and that that in electric cars, uh, maybe maybe those are going to be the future. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Intentional Money Matters. My name is Caleb Williams. I'm here with Harry Stout. And on today's segment, we're going to be talking about some alternative assets that you can go to get a higher yield in a low interest environment. And I, I first and foremost want to say very clearly, this is not investment advice. Uh, this is not financial advice. We're creating uh, conversation uh, that might uh, create something in you that wants to do more research. But I just want to make ourselves very clear because some of these uh, assets I know very little about, and I'm going to be learning along with you. And some of these assets um, I know quite a bit about and have personal experiences and friends that have made quite a bit of money. And these are ways, again, to potentially get a higher yield in a low interest rate environment. And so without further ado, this might be a heavy commented video. If, if I know anything about YouTube, people are going to share and, and we definitely want to hear you. If you're watching this on YouTube and you have a, a, an asset class that you have uh, tapped into in this in this kind of environment, please comment uh, that below. And we really appreciate you taking, taking time to watch this video. All right. So Caleb, as we as we go through this today, I think awareness is what we're trying to do. We want to we're going to provide awareness. And I think that's important because I've had conversations with professionals and non-professionals who are looking for areas where there's income. Where can I get income? Because they look at what the banks pay. They look at uh, a lot of the fixed rate obligations that are out there in the market. And they say, you know, Harry, I can't get yield anywhere. I, you know, I can't find, you look at the, what the banks pay. There's nothing there. Are there, any, are there any alternatives? And the answer is yes, there are. And what I would say with each of these alternatives, and I'll, I'll give a blanket statement and then we'll drill down. There are sections of the, of the tax code that have granted special benefits to certain types of companies, or there's certain uh, aspects of the investment law that have granted certain companies benefits in exchange for how they treat their shareholders and how much they need to distribute to their shareholders each year. So I think it's something that people just need to understand. And um, so tax, tax breaks that companies, uh, classes of companies have gotten or investment company breaks. And then there's just a lack, I think, of knowledge of where to go for yield in the marketplace. And we'll talk about that today and try to highlight a couple of things that people could investigate for themselves and learn more. So uh, it's to kind of give you a, a, an early statement to begin with. But the first, the first area to go to look for yield are real estate investment trusts. The key for real estate investment trusts, and this is the thing that uh, I've learned over the years, they have to pay out 90% of their earnings each year. So they don't pay taxes. They have to pass through that 90% to their owners. It's a pass-through entity. 
So a lot of times you'll see the yield that's uh, offered on a, or the return that's offered on a real estate investment trust. An example would be over the last, uh, over the last decade, returns have been four to 13% on real estate investment trusts. And I've looked at a couple of different sources for that. And say it was 10%. And I, I have a couple, by the way, that I get uh, seven to nine mm. currently. I thought that was a good return for a portion of my portfolio. But um, the reason those returns, are, that dividend is so high is because they're sharing profits with you. Right. A typical stock, if the dividend's high, you might think the company's in trouble. But the real estate investment trust has to pay out that 90%. Right. Now, one of the things for your audience, and this goes for a number of these different classes, there are different types of real estate investment trusts. They range from, uh, I'll give a personal uh, disclosure, I own one that invests in tech data centers, computer data centers, and that's what they do. Hmm. I own another that, that, uh, that invests only in medical buildings. So they, they basically are buying income producing real estate, generating profits from rents, from maybe some in, you know, income they get from interest on debt relating to these uh, en entities. And they're passing those profits through to you. And there's some companies out there that have done a, a great job for a long period of time. So the real estate investment trust, it's, that's a potential. And again, it's a subject area. Read a little bit about it. Take a look at it. It may be appropriate for you. And then one last thing about real estate investment trust, and Caleb, is something you and I have discussed, is in this inflationary environment, where can you go with something that might have a little inflation benefit? And yeah. real estate has that inflation benefit. We've all seen this as uh, housing prices and business prices have gone up all across the country. And uh, so REITs are a good way maybe to get an inflation hedge too. That's an area to go. So take a look at REITs, folks. That's a good place to do some research. And, and I will say this, a lot of our clients um, have invested in REITs or have REITs and it's just a, it's a great investment. I, I want to be very careful, like, again, not to try to give investment advice, but it, it, it has been a, a, an asset that I've seen work for a lot of people, especially if they get into the right type of REIT and right kind of real estate investment. Yeah. And, and, and to, build, to build on your point, 145 million Americans, uh, according to a source I've uh, uh, identified, live in a household that's invested in REITs through their 401k, IRAs, pension plans, and other investment funds. So widely held, potentially good return. Now, the second is a little less well-known but it's called a business development corp or a BDC. And you'll, you'll see these if you do some research on them. And what they do, again, they have a special provision from the Investment Company Act, and they, um, they invest in small to medium-sized companies. Some of them are distressed. Some of them are new that, that, that uh, need help in terms of the growth of their business. And they put the money to work to uh, invest in those entities in exchange for income, capital gains from those, from those types of businesses that they in turn pass on to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. Now, you can all imagine that the risk profile of smaller and troubled businesses would be a lot higher than invest, you know, more invest, established investment grade businesses, if you will. But BDCs, they pay nice, some of them pay nice dividends. They've got a nice profile of companies that they disclose, so that they invest in. And that's one of the things when you look to buy a BDC, you'll see a lot of them pay a really nice return. T typically, some of the ones out there that I've seen pay uh, seven to 9% annually. And that's a, you know, that's a wonderful return in the zero rate world, but there's risk associated with it. So, and what people do is they do their research before buying to take a look at the kinds of companies that the BDC has invested in. 
uh, how it's managed, who, who's the manager of that particular business. But uh, again, another little niche there that has a nice yield. So does the business development corporations, do they get equity or are they essentially just higher yield banks that take, that get a greater yield because they're investing or they're loaning money to more, uh, to companies that aren't as, you know, can't necessarily get like triple A bonds. I think they have a variety of different investment options. If they have a workout, they may get equity back. They've okay. got bonds. They so they're serving that community. So they'll get capital gains okay. and, and 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 you know income back from those various entities. So you'll have to see exactly how they disclose it in a prospectus to see what they're doing. But you know, typically most of the major um, services that are out there, be they Fidelity, Schwab, whatever, will they'll have their BDCs, they'll have research on them. You can learn and you can see what they're doing and if you like it or not. I typically wanted to go with some of that have been managed by some of the more well-known asset managers. Just cool. a thought. Cool. Uh, now, next up is closed-end funds or CEFs, this wonderful world of these little, uh, these initials here. But um, uh, closed-end funds, a mutual fund that has a limited number of shares. Shares never change. And these closed-end funds, they'll uh, basically invest in all sorts of companies, uh, different, take different approaches. They, in turn, pay dividends, again, usually uh, a dividend out to all their shareholders of all the income and capital gains that they burned. Hmm. And uh, you know, I think if you look at closed-end funds, you look at across the universe of closed-end funds, and I have, I was able to locate this in December 21. The uh, universe of closed-end funds, according to BlackRock, were, were yielding about 7.7 percent. Hmm. So, uh, but that's again, that's another category. So, if you look at real estate investment trusts, business development corps, and closed-end funds, little specific provisions of the tax or investment code, but they're pass-through entities. And, and for the most part, they're passing that income onto, their, onto the owners. And if you're, if you're watching this or listening to this and you're like interested in like, oh, I'm interested in learning about closed-end funds, you just, do you recommend Googling it? Is there a website that you recommend that would be like where someone could yeah. find out more information? Yeah, yeah. actually, uh, if you go to invest, Investopia, uh, I think if you want to put that in the show notes too for yeah. people, that works out really well. And they do an, a really nice job of explaining and then uh, typically the major asset management houses will have a, an investment rundown on that market segment, some of the best performers and some of their opinions. And it's just like getting a, an, a typically analyst view of if you should buy something or not. But the key, you know, key is again, these are nice, nice coupons. And a lot of them, you just need to understand where the, where the money's coming from and the, the, the underlying assets that they're invested in. Uh, the fourth area to look for yield, and this sounds funny, but it's just floating rate assets and floating rate debt. And that uh, if we're going to go through a period of higher interest rates, you know, although, you know, there is there are floating rate obligations out there and funds have been put together uh, that have invest in floating rate assets and you could take advantage of that. So you could ride it up as uh, as rates increase. So that's pretty, pretty straightforward, that one. Another area, Caleb, that you see out there that there's some really nice yields is the master limited partnership area or the MLP area. Uh, again, another pass-through structure, 90% of the earnings go to the owners, uh, but um, it's really uh, tied to the oil and gas pipeline business today. There's some history behind that as to why over the years that, that particular 
vehicle, the Master Limited Partnership has been driven to oil and gas, but there's some nice companies and some nice coupons in that area that people can get. Again, you need to understand why these, how these companies are generating their income, what kind of facilities they have, how subject are they to potential shutdown of carbon initiatives. There's risk pro and con you need to look at, but there's some nice coupons. I own a couple personally, and I've done some research to make sure that the companies that I've invested in are just, I have distribution companies that have an infrastructure that distribute natural gas and uh, to uh, to our country. And who knows with the Russian situation, they may become more valuable. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess my question is, is this a master limited partnership? I'll be the first to say I'm not very familiar with this. And so this is like you buy oil rights or what, what does this? A master limited partnership. You're buying a partnership interest. Okay. That entity is investing in oil and gas distribution. They could have pipelines, transmission lines, various oil producers pay them fees to distribute their product throughout the country. That entity then that's, they invest in the asset. They get a rental, uh, a rental charge for uh, letting those facilities and they make a profit. They share that profit with you and pass it on. Okay. So it's just a, it's an alternative place outside the market that you could that you could put some of your money and um, I, I appreciate you breaking that down. And it looks- but, but, but Caleb, I will have to correct you. It's not outside the market. I only buy publicly traded master limited partnerships. Okay, so, so you're, buying stock, you're buying stock in these companies. Yes. Okay, got it. Okay. Or units okay. or stock. Yeah, that's, it's technically, it's probably a, a unit, but uh, it's sold as, it's, it's, it's a publicly traded instrument got that it. I can buy and sell every day on them. The, the ones I purchased are public, publicly traded. I can sell them every day. I've got liquidity. I can make a decision when I take my capital gains, when I don't yep. you know, versus a mutual fund where you don't really call your capital gains on the underlying. And you know, you, here you have a choice to do it. So yep. not so, to, not to get us too derailed, but I do know some people that do something like this, but it's not on the stock exchange. Uh, it's less liquid um, and potentially more lucrative, but uh, you know, you that's take that with an asterisk, but um, well, yeah, very, think- very interested in this. So for so if you look at your audience today, the things we've covered, I tried to highlight areas where they are entities that are traded on an exchange yep. that they can get liquidity, they get the flexibility of having uh, these entities on an exchange versus having some sort of private placement or private investment. Because right. again, you're correct. You get into the, you might get a higher return, but if you need liquidity or if something changes, you're restricted. And uh, the, the next area is just playing dividend paying stocks, you know, preferred stocks and, and common stocks. And I think this is an area that a lot of people really don't focus in on because I think a lot of times they, they view dividends as being uh, risky. You know, the company may not have a profit, may not declare a dividend, I'm not a short, it's not a coupon. I'm not going to be able to get a consistent flow over the years. But what I've directed people over the years and what I do personally is I try to buy what are called dividend aristocrats. Mm. And what these are, what these are, are companies that have paid an increasing dividend for at least 25 years. That's pretty, in my view, that's, these are well-run organizations. And I think if you do look across the, uh, the spectrum of companies today, I think there are 65 companies that fit into the dividend aristocrat category. And uh, for your audience, they can go to S&P Global 
and I, and we'll put that in the show notes to, for they can look and they can see who these companies are and get a better understanding. But dividend paying stocks are not a bad, that's a good thing to own. Your decision will be the types of companies that you want to invest in, the, the type of dividends you're looking for, but mm -hmm. there's some options out there. And again, for a company to pay an increasing dividend for 25 years, in my judgment, is powerful. And uh, powerful. And and it, just just to be clear, like that is that is a, a cash flow model to the stock market. Is that correct? Like it, instead of going for just appreciation, now these these stocks have appreciated as well, but their whole focus is we're going to instead of reinvesting into the company for extra growth, this is going to be more of a cash cow. And if they've over the last twenty five years increased their dividends, that means they're they're valuing. The, sh the stockholder and, and paying that out. Actually, I would disagree with you on that, Caleb. Here's, okay. here's the way I would describe it. A company has to determine its dividend policy based on typically a share of its earnings. Mm -hmm. Their payout ratio might be 40% of our cash earnings. So over the years, if they're, as they grow their earnings, they'll grow the dividend. Mm. Well, typically, as you grow your earnings, you're also going to grow your stock price. That's right. So it's not just so you, you have the potential for upside potential on the stock price, as well as capturing the coupon. Now, different, time in, different times in a company's life, its valuation may go down because of conditions in its industry, and, that may, and they sustain their dividend. So you might get a lot higher dividend payout because the stock price is lower. But, over, you know, but typically over time, you're getting both capital potential appreciation on the, uh, on the company's stock itself, as well as capturing the dividend. So, and and again, you're not you're not giving investment advice. No. But if you're in, if you're looking to a stock, if with that explanation, then you're very much leaning towards a dividend-paying stock because of what you just stated. Would that be like a general overview, being correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I give you a proviso. Some people are looking for growth and income. Yep. Some people just want income. So if you want income, you'd pick those stocks that don't focus on capital appreciation, more on payout. Okay. If you want growth and income, maybe you'll have a mixture. A company will have a lower, a lower dividend payout, maybe enough to keep you interested. At the same time, their stock's appreciating. So this is this whole, this is where you get into salami slicing. What do you want and what is best for you? Do you want whole of market dividends or do you want a sector? So right. these are all decisions you have to make. I think the key for the audience is, there are companies out there that have paid consistent cash dividends for over 25 years and they've increased. Cool. Might not be a bad place to put some money. And, and uh, not, again, it's your choice, your risk allocation, your asset allocation, but they're there. And I, I've talked to some people about dividend aristocrats and they've looked at them and said, you know, Harry, I didn't know they existed. You know, I didn't know they were there. Well, yeah, they're, they're there. And, and look, in a zero interest rate world, you may want to look at some of them. It's, they're not bad. You know, you take a look. Amazing. Uh, Caleb, the next area of, of income, and I, I guess it's a little controversial, is the whole area of crypto mm. and uh, the cryptocurrencies or crypto world. And now today, uh, I, I was doing some research for, for, for our session today, and so many folks now are, are defining crypto as having four aspects to it. You know, DeFi or decentralized finance entities the, providing the technology. NFTs, the wonderful world of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, utility tokens, which to tell you the truth, I had not heard of, but a utility tokens that were there. 
And then lastly, what have been referred to as the store of value tokens like Bitcoin and Litecoin. And, and so I think one of the things that, one of the questions I've been asked and I've actually written about is, Harry, are, are this whole cryptocurrency, is it real? I mean, is, is this really an asset class or is this a dream or a risky dream uh, put together by you know people looking to uh, uh, create uh, the, you know these 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 cryptocurrencies? Are they just creating a world? And and what I'd say, Caleb, I think if you look at it objectively, today I think we've got two trillion of market value yeah. in the cryptocurrency world. So you can't say that it's not an asset class. I believe that it is an asset class. We've discussed a number of times. If you look at Bitcoin, I mean Bitcoin, and we're recording this in February of 2022. Bitcoin is trading for 50% less than its value in November of 2021. Right. That's huge volatility. Totally. And other, other uh, coins have gone through similar valuation changes. So you look at that and you say, gosh, that's, that's a lot of volatility. So I look at it and say, yes, it's an asset class. I take a look at the, the, the risk associated with it. And I say, there's a lot of volatility there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I invested a couple of years ago when coins went up dramatically. I made money one year and then I waited. I saw it all go away the next year. You know, I mean, there's just so much volatility here. But and I think that's the key. If you're putting your money in crypto, you need to be able to understand you're dealing with that volatility and that risk of loss because it's going to take a while for that market to harden. And um, and I just um, I I just did some other work. and I found, I just read some articles that if you look around the world right now, about 2% of people are looking to get paid, are getting their salaries partially in Bitcoin, 2%. And when we read about, you know, Odell Beckham and some of the other folks and the mayor of New York and, and, and so on taking, you know, their, their incomes in, in crypto. And that could be a good thing. But I think, right, there's so much volatility yeah. right now. Yeah. And so I think that's a choice that people make. And so many of the people listening to this podcast and of your generation, I think there's 112 million people that own that own crypto. It's a huge number of folks. And yeah, it's an, so so yeah. for me, bottom bottom line, asset class, a lot of volatility. So for me, I say I like to have some, but I would limit the percentage that's in the portfolio. That's what I would do. And you're not you're not going to go on rice and beans, regardless of what Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin does, good or bad. And that's that's probably the most important thing is I I tend to have quite a few people that have done really really well in cryptocurrencies. Yes, but like they're like all in, and they're like like and and again like I go okay like you know it's it's their their moods change quite a bit, um, but they very much believe in the future. And I will say out of all the things that you sh- shared, which I really appreciate you taking time to mm-hmm. put this thing together, crypto is by far the most volatile and it has the potentially greatest upside. Um, but also, I mean, who knows what the future is going to hold? And we've seen how it's been, you know, very extreme as it relates to ups and downs. But I will say this, and you can put this on record. I, I definitely believe when you look at things like NFTs and um, when you look at the technology and you look at what banks are doing, you even look at what the Federal Reserve is doing, like there's no doubt that they're, uh, they're number one, potentially threatened by it. But number two, they're trying to figure out how they can use this technology in oh. the banking system and take advantage of it. And so one of the things that I'm committed to is, is not being ignorant. And uh, we saw even in the Super Bowl, I think there was four crypto uh, commercials and that, that in electric cars, uh, maybe, maybe those are going to be the future. 
And so that would be what I would say. And I, I really appreciate you sharing some things like the floating rate assets. Definitely something I have not looked into in the closed end funds. Super, super interested in learning more about that. And the, the BDCs, the ability to um, invest in, in, in companies like, through that. Like what, what an amazing, amazing opportunity. And obviously REITs um, are something that I think a lot of people have heard of, but you did such a good job breaking that down. Anything else that you want to share as it relates to these maybe alternative assets to potentially get a higher yield in a, in a year where yield might be something that we're all fighting for? Oh, yeah. I, I think the key, one of the key concepts that you, you want to think about is diversification. And I think these are just ways of, of, of diversifying the assets you've accumulated in your household. And for some people, they should not be getting near any of these at all. They should, these are not things they should be dealing with. But for other folks, maybe there's two to 4% of their portfolio they should put into these various alternatives to help generate the return that they're looking for, and they should look into them. But I think the key is, and, and that's the, what you learn is, it's diversification. And you know, as part of that, I'm an advocate for annuities, life insurance, uh, I'm an index fund. I mean, you could look, you could do, you could create the pie of diversification that works for every individual. So I think that's the key is these are all options that can help you get a diversified return. And maybe that return is going to be higher than what you would have got if you just haven't taken a more conservative route. All right. We, we look forward to hearing your thoughts in the comments. We'll make sure to include some of the links that you mentioned. Um, Appreciate you taking the time. And if you are wanting to learn more about what Harry's up to, we'll have some links to his website where you can get his book. Um, and also you have a podcast. Uh, and do you want to share anything about the exciting things that you, you're doing this year? Because oh. I just hope people can support you in, in that. Oh, I appreciate that, Caleb. Yeah, I'm trying to cover a variety of different issues, uh, giving people ideas on where to go. I mean, one of the great, I, I just covered I bonds recently, I savings bonds, which are a nice place to get a 7% return only for $10,000 of your money, but you can get per year, but you can get a return. So trying to highlight some of those things, good basics for people to look at and, and help them to uh, save and take advantage of the tax structures and operating structures that are out there today. The irony is, as you were talking, I got a lovely notification that tells me that Bitcoin's up 5%. So, oh, hey, well, that's <laughs> time to go. Uh, <laughs> hey, appreciate it and appreciate the work that you're doing. And we just want to thank everyone that's taking time listening, watching this. I hope you found this valuable. Please share this with someone that needs to maybe hear a different alternative or have their mind open or expand as it relates to opportunities for them to get a greater yield. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.